This is Coda Radio, episode 101 for May 12, 2014. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean, Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and join us every single week is our excellent host on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Hello, Chris, and happy Mother's Day to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, I think. I think. Uh, I will relay your happy Mother's Day to the actual mother of the household. But uh, hey, how, how, happy afternoon. This is our new uh, our new recording window. What do you think? Does it feel a little weird to be in the afternoon? Yeah, it feels a little weird. I may have almost forgotten about it, you know. Well, uh, we've both had quite a morning. I want to tell you about mine. I've been waiting to tell you about it. I didn't say anything during the pre-show because it is absolutely crazy. First of all, I'll tell you the least worst thing that happened first. We had a hard drive go out in the new NAS that we just set up right after getting our virtual environment set up, getting our our, our JB1 Studio server all configured, hard drive dies. That's the least worst thing that happened today, okay? The worst thing that happened today, you ready for this? Jupiter Broadcasting is off the air for Chrome users today. Monday morning, the beginning of people's work week, when the, 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 the most downloads happen for the Linux Action Show, guess what happens? Our pod track, uh, a download tracking stats service, their IIS server or something got malware on it, so Google blocked them for all Chrome users. So, like, you can't watch an HTML5 video on our website right now under Chrome. You can't download an episode under Chrome on the Jupyter Broadcast. It's not just us. It's any podcast that uses pod track, which is, like, all of them. It's horrible. That's impressive how crappy that is. So we're off the air today for Chrome users. If you're watching live, uh, then that's pretty much the only way you can watch us unless you switch to another browser. Because apparently so far the other browsers don't kick out this air. And of course, the nice thing is, is the way the way the Chrome air phrases it at first first pass. It looks like a Jupyter Broadcasting malware problem. It looks like Jupyter Broadcasting has malware, which I love that. I love it when they're like also, you know, uh, making me look like a jerk, whatever. So that's how my morning's been going. How has your morning been going today? My morning has been going lovely. I am <laughs> under the gun. I had a little issue where some demos got bounced back from me. So I woke up to the normal, hey, we never got the demo. Is something going on? Should we be worried? Oh, no. And that's how, that's how you found out about it? Yep. Oh, that's... that's Because I did the unusual thing of actually taking the weekend off. Right. <laughs> what a mistake. Go what figure. a mistake. Yeah. yeah. Well... Uh, so sounds like a little bit of a bumpy day for both of us, but hey, you know what? Just think about it. if I had if I had normally a quota radio in the morning at our regular time, right. I don't know how I would have dealt with those morning emergencies. Both of those things were like not planned for. I did not plan to take Jupiter Broadcasting off the air for Chrome users. So uh, you know what? I, I agree with the chat room. I have one thing to say to this morning. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. All right, let's get to our first email. Uh, we got a lot of we got a lot of feedback on the whole hardware purchasing um, topic we covered last week. A lot of feedback. I want to cover just a couple of them because we got so many. Uh, in fact, you know what? 
Before we get to our first email, because we do have so many about this topic, I want to thank our first sponsor this week. I want to thank Linux Academy. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders to get started. So what is Linux Academy? Well, think about it like this. Think about a platform that has been built by independent developers to actually put an academy around Linux online with courseware, downloadable videos, MP3 study guides, seven plus Linux distribution supporter where all of the content automatically adjusts for those Linux distributions, AWS certification training, all online for $20 a month when you go to linuxacademy.com slash coders and get our special discount just for the Coder Radio audience. Go try it out right now. This site is so cool. So here's a few of the features that I think are really great. They have a very good system to keep track of your own progress. So as you're working through a particular course, and there's lots of great courses uh, for setting up Linux systems, OpenStack, AWS, there's scenario-based training where you'll actually get scenarios that you can use in production, in real life. So when you walk away from this experience, you have the confidence to know that you can handle real-world scenarios, and it's all backed by this incredible dashboard that they've hand-developed that allows you to see where you're at, how long each section is going to take. It'll play the video or the corresponding audio clip for that section. You can download the PDF. And then when you get to a spot in the course where you need a physical machine to do something, they'll spin up a server for you and they'll give you a session. And even in the AWS training, they'll do that. So then you don't have to worry about the cost of Amazon services. It's super cool, and you can hold on to these study guides for your own reference later on. And one of the best parts is, and this was sent in by Seth, uh, a Coda Radio listener who joined Linux Academy, he said, hey, you know what I've been doing is I've been taking the MP3 versions of their video courses, I've loaded them on my phone, and I'm listening to them while I drive, I'm listening to them while I take a shower. He says, I'm able to then go back at the end of my workday and sit down and actually quiz myself using their own tools, tracking my progress, and see where I'm at. And then when I wrap up one area, I move on to the next. It's so great to have this resource available. And when you go to linuxacademy.com slash coders, you get that discount that is permanent. It's a, it's a, it is the lifetime of your account. And then you can take advantage of all of the new courseware, two to three new items they're adding every single week over at linuxacademy.com. Go try it out. Bring your skills to the next level. Get yourself in a position where you can build that client a little more, where you can go for that job that has that extra couple of requirements on the resume, or just go train yourself in a few, fill in the pieces where maybe when you were self-taught, you missed a couple of the basics, linuxacademy.com. And a really big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. It's such a cool service. And they also have team accounts available too. So if you've got a group of folks who think the whole group could benefit from something like this, go try it out. And then if you like it, Guess what? Team account, Bob's your uncle. You guys are all working together. It's super cool. Okay. Now, I was starting to get to Addison's email, and he, I think, was kind of echoing your sentiments about lackluster options. He says, man, have I never felt worse for listening live. I heard you guys talk about laptops on last week's episode, and man, you guys only scratched the surface. For the past five or so months, I've been on the hunt for a laptop that meets my needs, and I can't find one. My requirements are Intel Iris Pro graphics, Linux compatibility, and a strong build quality. Yet all three criteria, when put together, nothing pops up. The first seems to be the biggest limiting factor. The only two laptops shipping with state-of-the-art Intel graphics are the Ultra Pro and the MacBook Pros. While an Arch install would be a breeze, what I've heard about the build quality on the Ultra Pro, the keyboard especially, makes me hesitant to buy it without being able to test it first in person. Then the MacBook Pros are a nightmare to get Linux working on, yet they are unparalleled in build quality. The only other laptop with Intel Iris 
is the Asus UX301, but it's way more expensive than anything else with that hardware. My question is, guys, why is there such a gap in the market of high-end processors without dedicated GPUs? And with this being the case, why isn't there more effort being done to make Linux more compatible with Apple's hardware? Just my thoughts. All in all, thanks for the great show, and congrats on the 100th episode. And for the record, there hasn't been a subject you guys talked about that I have haven't yet gotten tired of. I think he's referring to the coffee. Sincerely, Addison. So, so I, I agree with him. What do you think? You Have you found this very limiting, very lackluster options? I would. But first, I'd like to thank him for the 100th episode. And, and we should be honest today, Chris. I am not drinking coffee. Oh, no? I'm drinking the finest bourbon. Uh, it's called Bullet Bourbon. Mm. Bullet so Bourbon. I'm going to look it up right now. Is this something that's like uh, nationwide, or is this something only you East Coasters get? I think it's nationwide. Bullet bourbon. All right, I'm looking so, it up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At, at uh, bullet.com, bullet. Like bullet with a, yes. an IT. Yeah, I got it. Oh, I have to give them my age. I love it. So, you know, I'm yeah. in for some fun right now. All right. I'm going to tell them I'm in January uh, 2nd, and I was born in 1913. Let's see if they take that. United States of America. All right, here we go. That should get me in. Oh, oh! I guess I didn't get the 1913 part. Well, we'll do 1914. There we go. Oh, this looks nice. Frontier whiskey, huh? You didn't put your year yet. I got it. I got it. Uh, see, this is what I'm thinking. Is I'm thinking I need a good whiskey here at the studio. Yeah. This is. They, they have a couple of different varieties. If you just allow me to spin around to the other side of my desk. I am actually having the small batch uh, 95. Ooh, I got to find this. This looks pretty good. See, I, I could join you now that we're doing this in the afternoon. See, before... You join me. It would have still been okay, Chris. There's no judgment here. <laughs> this is a judgment-free zone for this. This is a judgment-free zone. All right, I like that. Uh, however, you know, we are not judgment-free on laptops. And you know what no. I think it is? <clears throat> I think it is... I think, uh, I think the Iris Graphics Pro is a game-changer for embedded graphics, and the rest of the industry hasn't caught up yet. They don't realize that like these are actually legitimately capable. Now they're not perfect. They're not going to play every game. But uh, all right, we had one more point that I kind of wanted to chat with you about uh, on the uh, laptop aspect. Uh, this came in from Massmalum on our on our Coda Radio subreddit, and he says, uh, "It says he and this is this is a point I was going to make, so it's perfect that he brought this up." He says, uh, "It looks like the next generation of Intel CPUs is six to eight months down the road." Why not buy a very cheap Ultrabook or maybe even like a Chromebook like the C720 and throw Linux on it and then just wait until the newest stuff comes out? This is what I'm doing. I really want one of those X1 carbons, but the specs just don't justify the price. So I'll wait until the specs are updated and then I'll have this nice little laptop that was extremely cheap. And I think it might be worth waiting for Broadwell. I think it might be. Yeah, so that's actually, I, I hate to be super anticlimactic, but... I ended up not buying anything, and, and I'll tell you why. And it's actually both um, both listeners had a point, both the email guy and the subreddit guy. I totally agree with the first guy. The market goes from super crappy Best Buy laptop yeah. to there's one or two good Ultrabooks, yeah. and then there's the MacBook, which is in the same category as them. Right. Uh, basically, when I got done with all my criteria, and, and they're not that strict. I mean, I was willing to make compromises. I ended up really deciding between one Dell, which had a big price hike because it had a touchscreen, the Galago Pro, which I didn't like, the uh, the matte screen, and of course the MacBook Pro. And you know none of them really really blow me out of the water. 
Yeah, and I think the MacBook Pro for me would be a more serious contender if it was easier to run other operating systems on there. It, because the fact that it could run OS X is of utility to me. There is a use for that from time to time for me on a mobile rig that would be handy. But the primary operating system I would want to run would be Linux. And I just I, I have a really hard time spending money on a computer that I will continually know this isn't quite fulfilling my needs. I'm making compromises. And that's where the MacBook Pro falls down. I actually have been very happy with the Iris Pro. The matte screen right. is, um, I mean, I'm I sorry, tried. the Ultra Pro. The matte screen's understandable, yeah. though. If you like I, it. I tried. Yeah. One of my guys has it here. I, I tried using yeah. it for a little bit. It's a deal breaker for me. Yeah, and I, I understand. Like, when you know, it may, the, the thing about a good glossy screen really makes, like, the blacks just really yeah. pop. And the picture quality, like, when you're looking at photos and stuff like that is is noticeable. So I totally get it. Uh, I, I think one thing that's a little unfortunate with the Ultra Pro is I feel like the keyboard has gotten a bad rap. Um, <clears throat> I, I really, I mean, I'm a pretty picky SOB when it comes to keyboards. And well, they've, they've, there's actually two different keyboards, though, depending on when you bought it. Yeah, and I think that's what happened. Is I think that first one was below what people liked, was, you know, substandard, and now yeah. that kind of that got a bad rep for it. It's, you know, that's too bad. Oh, Chris, I've done my research. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. All right, so, well. <clears throat> wait, so let me just let me just, just hit this topic a little, little sure. for another second here. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I totally get your thing about running Linux on OS on Mac hardware, and I'm not sure where that is because I haven't done that in a while. I don't mind necessarily which operating system it runs, so that gives me a lot of freedom. Yeah. But one of the, the issues is, you know, I'm not willing to pay an extra $300, $400 because you want me to have a touchscreen. That's just not going to happen, right? Right. And that's really what killed the Dell for me. And I feel like even the high-end Ultrabooks are super compromised. And I, I don't know. I'm. I even looked at like specialty dealers, and there's just there's just not a lot out. The only yeah. thing that's hard about this is you have uh, everybody has a different level of like what they're willing to live with and what registers as an issue or not. Like I'm a con in the chat room just says um, uh, Linux has zero issues on MacBooks, right? And I, you you'll hear people say that, and then and at the same time you read. They've just released the first alpha code to make the Thunderbolt port work under Linux. And there's no thermal management under Linux, just like there isn't under Windows. To me, that's not perfectly okay. That's a substandard experience. And, 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 and if the machine was $500, $499, $600, maybe we could have that conversation. When the machine right. is $2,500, and let's be honest, if you put a big enough SSD in there, $2,800... Now I'm not so willing to have that conversation anymore. My 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 expectations are much higher. You, on the other hand, if you're okay with OS 10, I mean, there's something to consider there because you know you do OS 10 development. So you know, right. I mean, that seems like a pretty big advantage. So so the issue for me with the Mac Pro in particular, I mean, I didn't want to go. We could go system by system. I mean, the Dell, I'm not paying the premium for the uh, touchscreen. The uh, the really the Galago was the closest one, and it's just the Mac screen I don't like. The MacBook Pro, I'm still not sold on Retina. I, I don't believe you're going to get double pixel density for free. No, for sure. No, yeah. And I, I really don't, you know, I'm trying to spend as little money as possible. So I, I'm not necessarily into wasting processing power on all my, and, and the web isn't Retina yet, right? So 90% of what I do, I'm, you know, Stack Overflow. 
Imacon says they fixed the thermal problem, which would be good. That'd be a that'd be a good one under Linux. Uh, yeah, you know, of course, you could just wait for WWDC around the corner and see if they maybe if they up the graphics to the next generation, then I think the cost of um, um, Retina comes down. I think it's a lot more trivial when you have probably than even you know just a, a one rev of video card capability. So you know that could be that could be in June, and maybe it's worth taking a look there. All right, next email comes in from Sam. And this one, I, I think he's trying to take us to task for our stance on those uh, boot camps. So as Mike mentioned, they didn't really consider those boot camps as an effective way to learn to code. And I believe it was mentioned that universities weren't any better and they weren't keeping up with things. And I was just wondering, how would you guys recommend someone go about learning to code? Let's take your waitress, for example. We had a waitress example in episode 100. She had always been interested in developing a web app or something like that. But while she might not while she might be a little computer savvy, she has no real development knowledge. How would you recommend she go about learning to develop? I think he's trying to say, isn't your waitress example actually the perfect use case for one of these boot camps? She's got your rough computer skills. She just wants to learn maybe like a little Ruby on Rails. What do you think? Is that where the boot camp fits in? So I think he misunderstood me a little. I don't have an issue with boot camps existing. I have an issue with them you know, charging people 1500 bucks and telling them you'll come out of this boot camp and then be a qualified rails developer, for example, <laughs> yeah, and think they're going to get a job making whatever they think they should be making. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, for sure. Selling them a bag of wind, basically. You know, it's like, unicorn. I'll, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a perfect example. You know, fingertip tech will make an app for you. Right. No point. Do we guarantee that you'll be the next angry birds or the next flappy bird? Right. Right. And I feel like some of the marketing for some of these boot camps. And even some of it's a little more implied in a way. Right. And it's a little. Obviously, anybody doing any kind of education to better themselves is a good thing. But a lot of these folks are thinking they're going to get a job after this boot camp. And that may or may not be true. You know what I just thought of? Here's like a person who wants to get pointed in the right direction and understands the the context of how you're framing it. I think that's that's a scenario where the boot camp works. The other scenario is for the person who's already employed. And like the the employer, the boss, the manager comes to him and says, "Hey, you know what? If you could get your skills up in this area, we could have a position opening up for you in 6 months." Or, you know, I think if if you got if you got a little training under your belt, if you could brush up your 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 Python skills or whatever it is, uh that would probably reflect well on your review. I think again, there is a place for it where it's like, okay, man, you got you got one week, and I know you're really super busy. So all you need to do is just somehow six months down the road, something block out one week. We're gonna fly you out here. We're gonna get you up to date as much as we can. We're gonna give you some pointers in the right direction. You are now enough of a self starter that after that week's boot camp, you know, a little bit of Google, some forum posts, and you're good to go. You'll be all right. For those people. Have at it, Haas. I think it's going to be great for you. I think what Mike's saying is the problem is a lot like sometimes like the DeVry University type commercials go where they sort of essentially like the DeVry, you know, think of the DeVry University commercial where they'll they'll feature the family guy who was a real slacker. And then he went to DeVry and now he's working it at Boeing, building airplanes and modeling them on huge computer screens and then going home and laughing with his family at the dinner table. And everything's so swell because he went to DeVry. And essentially what some of these boot camps have done have taken that same advertising model that honestly feels like an infomercial and they're 
essentially putting that out on the web and they're trying to generate these memes. And some of them are visiting some podcasts. They're, they're co-hosting those podcasts. They're sort of perpetuating this, this mythological boot camp where you go there and now you're a code soldier and you're ready to go out and get a job soldier. And that is disingenuous. And I think that is probably what's sort of grating on Mike and I. And I, I do kind of agree with Sam in the sense, though, that I think maybe we took too hard of a stance last episode. There is a bit of a gray area where as long as you go in fully aware of what's up, I think you're going to, you're going to be okay. But like Mike said, just don't, don't believe the pipe dream. It's, it's probably, if it's, it's too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true when it comes to that kind of thing. Uh, okay. All right. Next email comes in from Jake and, uh, I hope you, I hope you got a better answer than I do for this one, Mike. He says, uh, my company has traditionally only made products for windows. But now we're looking at creating a mobile app or two. Surprise, surprise. Call me. My, my, yeah, right? Right? Yeah, call me. Uh, fingertip dot th- or fingertip dot technology or is it finger dot technology? You should we actually go. have a bunch. Uh, fingertiptech.com or fingertip dot technology. There you go. Uh, he, has, he has a question. He says, where do you think we are more likely to make money on Android or iOS? Now, here's the type of app they're going to make, okay? He says they're mostly interested in making apps around music, especially listening and potentially letting the users create and distribute Creative Commons music. So, you know, if you had a client, let's just phrase it like you have a client coming to you. They're like, hey, Mike, we've been making this app for Windows for years. People love it. They share Creative Commons music. We think we want to move it to mobile uh, and we really can't decide on Android or iOS, what would you essentially consult them to do? Well, unfortunately, that's not enough information to give any good advice. Normally, what we do in cases like that, we'll sit you down for a, how about this, Code Radio Fire Sale, a free consultation. Um, all kidding aside, yeah, we would normally sit them down and see what their what their business goals are. Yeah, and do you think yeah. peripherals, like if they wanted to integrate with recording devices or, uh, you know, like microphones or, or things like that, do you think that would maybe lean you more towards iOS? Uh, it depends because you have to get a license from Apple for that. Oh, yeah, right. So that would – we usually recommend Android for that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, all kidding aside, Jake, uh, Jake is the name of the writer. Seriously, go to the website, get in touch – We'd be happy to talk to you know any of the stakeholders for free consultation. Use the code Coda Radio. I don't know. There you go. Chris, think of a code fast. Coda Radio. I think that's good. Coda Radio. Right. And uh, and then you'll know it was from him. And I think Jake, yeah. you know, uh, something you need to take into account is uh, this is. I think you're kind of starting at it from the wrong angle. I think if you if you start it from the use case angle, and this is probably what Mike, I would assume Mike's probably going to talk to you about. If you talk about the business requirements, the use case, you know, are, are you going to sell in-app like sound packs? How are you generating that revenue? Is it a single price tag that you're going to put in the store? Think through these things, and then eventually, when you set up these kind of these kind of uh, requirements, these kind of outlines, you might just find the answer on your own. So uh, yeah, go talk to Mike. He'll get you pointed in the right direction. All right. Uh, our last email comes in from Ryan. Just a little uh, props here for DigitalOcean. He says, hey, Mike and Chris, I just wanted to let you know that not only can DigitalOcean boot a droplet up in under a minute, their support team responds to new trouble tickets just as fast. Today, I managed to bork the email address I used to create a new account with DigitalOcean. Long story short, I created enough of a mess that I needed to contact their support team to straighten everything out. I opened up the ticket. 
Uh, and he said, oh, he says, I popped the big open the ticket button at the top of the support page and sent them a fairly vague request to help me fix my email address. A support tech email mean under two minutes with a thorough and friendly response. We exchanged several more emails in a span of about 10 minutes. And by the end, I was back in business. I am very impressed. DigitalOcean provided me with fast, thorough, competent support. And I fixed the mess I created. What a great way to start my experience with DigitalOcean. Thanks for bringing this and other fine sponsors to my attention. You never steer me wrong. Hooray, Coder Radio May. Coder May for our promo code, Ryan. Uh, and he says he can't wait to get his Coder Radio 100 t-shirt either. I've been hearing a lot of great success stories about DigitalOcean support. So let me tell you a little bit about DigitalOcean, and I'd like you to consider them. Go over to DigitalOcean.com. Use our brand new promo code, Coder May, for the month of May. Let them represent for May, everybody. Go over there and tell DigitalOcean how much you appreciate them supporting the show by using Coder May. That also gets you a $10 credit. You can try out that $5 rig for two months. I've got to give you a little background on DigitalOcean because it's really a phenomenal company working on an incredible product. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. Users can create a cloud server in about 55 seconds and pricing plans start at only $5 a month for 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. And DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, and Amsterdam. Their interface is simple. Their control panel is intuitive. And power users can replicate that control panel on a much larger scale with their straightforward API. You're seeing a lot of community apps crop up around that API. And you yourself, if you're troubleshooting something, if you need to deploy servers, you can take advantage of that API just on your own. It's, I've been told it is beautiful. The thing about DigitalOcean that's really great, SSDs, buddy. SSD only hosting across the board. They made an investment in this early on because they recognize that performance is important. SSDs on your droplet mean that you can get a higher density than you could ever get with traditional spinning drives. The density I can get off a single SSD outweighs what I used to have an entire array for performance. I mean, it's incredible. And on top of that, they say, well, if we're going to have SSDs, then we've got to have tier one bandwidth. And if we're going to have tier one bandwidth, then we have to have the best hardware out there. And if we're going to have the best hardware out there, we've got to have it in the best data centers out there. Then they took all of that, which seems so obvious, yet no one has managed to pull all of that off just on its face and wrapped it with this incredible intuitive control panel. We just had somebody in our audience that deployed a new cloud server in 40 seconds. You get root access to these devices. You can use them for your backend infrastructure, for your own app, for a big website, or just for an own cloud installation. It doesn't matter. And it's so cool because it's used, they're using KVM. That Linux technology we talk about all the time right here on this very network to make it all possible. I love it. So go over to DigitalOcean.com. Use that promo code SNAP. Nope, not SNAP. CoderMay. You could use SNAPMay, but Alan, he's in Canada. Don't, come on, don't do that. Use, use our promo code Coder May when you yeah. check out to get that $10 credit. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Go check it out. Forget that Canadian guy. Gosh. Gosh. All right. Well, uh, I got something I want to talk to you about. I haven't told you about it yet. Oh, no. Yeah. I, you know, Matt, she's I'm all over the oh, place. Oh, oh, oh. Well, it's because oh. I was showing it to Matt last night. He's the only other person that's seen this yet. So that's why he's on my mind. Uh-huh. So one of the things, Mike, that you got to understand is our little chats here on the Coda Radio program, man, they stick with me. And sometimes I don't even realize it. They're rumbling around in the back of my head, making me think about stuff. And one of the things that I kind of have to come clean about on this show, and I'm going to be honest, 
it's sort of the Ouya's fault. I have been Android's biggest gaming critic. I, I have essentially called it a laughable platform for gaming. And uh, that, you know, I feel like maybe was potentially accurate a year ago, maybe two years ago. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. So one of the things I decided to do to sort of reality check myself and make me really own up to what I've been saying right here on this very program and with Google I.O. just around the corner, I decided to pick up an NVIDIA Shield. And I know it sounds crazy because this is Android. This is like theoretically like if you know you're a big ipad fan or something like this the nvidia shield theoretically represents everything that's wrong with android i think it represents everything that's right with android gaming so i picked one up and i've been using it all weekend to try to determine is android an actual capable gaming platform that people could actually just target solely and make money on and can somebody who focuses on gaming actually produce a high-quality product that doesn't feel like it's just some awkward Android tablet slapped in a controller case, right? So I got it, and I got to say, I'm really damn impressed. I'm not blown away. I'm not, like, just, like, you know, singing from the rooftops, but I am really quite impressed. And then today, as if, as if a sign from our NVIDIA overlords... Today, they released the port of Half-Life 2 and Portal. And on top of that, my one of my favorite all-time games that we've talked about on this show before, uh, Rochard, or Rockard as I call it, is also available on here. It comes loaded with uh, an NVIDIA store, but the NVIDIA store actually just links you back. It's like a curation of the Play Store, so you're still installing from the Play Store, which I like a lot, and the NVIDIA interface is better, but you can just get to the regular Play Store, so you can run any Android game, and then there's specific games that are optimized for the shield and it is it's a little hit and miss which regular android games support controllers but if you're a betting man i would bet on most cases they do support them with a few oddballs that don't support them the the screen is also touch so if you get into an app that requires touch you can just reach up and you can touch the shield screen uh, it's got amazing speakers. It's a lot heavier than I expected. The controller feels as good as the Xbox 360 controller, and it is definitely feels like the fastest Android device I've ever used. You know, when I was loading up with apps, the performance was extremely responsive, uh, and um, the battery life is pretty good. It lasts about a day with some casual usage. It does HDMI out, has USB in and out, headphone out, micro SD. It's a pretty neat device, and um, it's kind of made me shut up about Android gaming. I, Android gaming has come so, 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 so far. Um, it's kind of remarkable since the last Google I.O. just how far uh, Android gaming has come. It is a truly legitimate gaming platform that I think is a big challenge to iOS. And this Shield is a really nice device that is sort of here at the right time. They just lowered the price, too. That's kind of what finally made me jump on, is they, they brought the price of the Shield down. And I'm not even using the Shield streaming stuff. Like, you can do streaming from PC games. I think it might require Windows, though, so I didn't bother with it. And uh, But it's there. It's right, a feature. Chris, Chris, Chris. This is a safe place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How much are they paying you? <laughs> or which one of your children does they kidnap? Well, I'm not... Sh- like, I, I want to... Chris, my friend. No, it's uh, it's true. It's we legit. Can help you, Chris. It's legit, man. It's it is. I actually really like it. Um, and I um, I got it, you know, because I wanted I wanted something that my kids could play with that's that was sturdy and whatnot. And it's definitely that. I'm not so sure. Like, I think it's the greatest device ever made. I I, I I've had a few oh, games that okay. like didn't yeah, work now, so now, well. Wait, 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 wait. Are you serious? Yeah. 
it's a good device. I, I, I don't know. I, you know what else? I like this form factor better than I like um, uh, a, a tablet form factor because this is actually a little easier to carry around. And as a result, like because I can run all the Android apps that I would want on it, like I have Plex on here, I have Dropbox on here, I have Twitter, I have Gmail on here, and I have all my games. So I get a lot of tablet-like functionality, incredible speakers, and the other nice thing is it just stands right there. It can sit right on the table. You can tilt the screen, and you can watch a video with the thing, and it sounds remarkably good. It's like it's it's this is the two hundred dollar Nvidia Shield. I'm looking at it on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're telling me this is actually like a good gaming platform. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 actually not bad. Um and the graphics are not bad at all and the experience overall like when you take it out of the box, it feels like a very high-end consumer electronics product. Uh you know, there's it's 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 packaged very Apple-like. Um and you know, there's like it's very obvious how you take it out of the box and there's little places to lift here and then it unfolds and the thing comes out. Uh, and it's it's running not the absolute latest Android, but it's like running Android four two. I'll check here. It's it's got a Kit fairly Kat runs KitKat. Yeah, it's got a fairly recent Android build on it. Um, uh, I don't know, dude. This I know. Haven't we been here before? I know it's four four two Android four four two. I know that's why I bought it is because I I am a huge skeptic. But um, I'll tell you what, Mike. See, the thing is, like, what Android is offering that iOS and every other mobile platform out there but ios currently was sort of considered i think the most dominant new mobile gaming platform you know in terms of like smartphones and and tablets Uh, i'm not talking about ds or the psp but um uh, android has the games and android has the uh benefit of all of these crazy ass form factors that people can experiment with that actually make the gaming experience better and what one of the things that is sort of a payoff for me is all of the other games I've bought on my phone, on my Nexus 7 tablet, are now all of a sudden all available on my Shield with a whole new gameplay aspect to them that is superior. Uh, this thing has everything an Android tablet has, GPS, etc., built into a, a, a controller. And on top of all of that, I have access to everything I've ever bought. And, get ready for this, Humble Bundle releases an Android app. I'm able to install that, and I just pulled down all of the Humble Bundle games that are compatible for Android, and now I have them on my Shield. And then I put on the SNES emulator, and I threw on a whole bunch of SNES ROMs, and now I've got a whole bunch of my favorite... It's an amazing ROM machine, but it's not just for ROMs. It's got Portal on there, Half-Life 2 is on there, uh, Roshard's on there. Like uh, Good games are on there. Um, and then you know what I think about, Mike, is I think about like the Fire TV. Again, another new device with a good GPU that some of these games can be played on. And this is just something that Apple, it, it is not within their ability to project to all of these form factors and all of these crazy arse barely used uh, scenarios that actually still end up overall adding something unique and amazing to the platform. Apple can't touch it because there's not literally... 30, 40, 50, 60 major hardware manufacturers making devices based on their technology. This is, uh, this is a long-term slam dunk for Google because it is, even if the Shield never does well, to me, this proves that Android can actually be one of the exceptional gaming platforms with one of the most exceptional form factors. Even if it's never a huge hit, it shows it's possible. I, I can't even test that theory on, on the iOS platform right now. So I think, I think long-term, this multi-device approach that Google has, while it adds a headache for developers and we all talk about fragmentation, you can't beat it. Apple can't beat it. It's, it's a winning scenario, I think, for Google. And 
I'm changing my tune on gaming on Android. I don't know if it's fully there yet. Like, uh, you know, like the, the Google Play integration feels like early open faint stuff where like the game has to like kind of like hang while the Google Play services connect and sign you in for the first time. And then once that's done, like you can continue on into the app. There's obnoxious little things like that that Google could improve themselves. Um, but I mean, I don't know about I, I'm just I'm, I'm and now I'm looking at Google I.O. Mike and I'm thinking I wouldn't be surprised if they make a big gaming play there because it seems like a lot of momentum is building on the Android platform for games. Yeah, I don't know. I think Google I.O. is going to be all about the watch. The watch? Oh, man. Talk about something I could care less about. Well, then. Right? I mean, really, like, are you going to make apps for a watch? Why not? No, you... Please. Come on. You know that's all smoke and mirrors. They don't have a single working prototype. The battery life's going to be atrocious. The performance is going to be horrible. It's... uh, Chris, Chris, Chris. All right, you know, before we go too far, I want to remind folks that we do have the Coda Radio Episode 100 hoodie and T-shirt available for a limited time. Help us celebrate Episode 100 of the Coda Radio program. We we reached our unlock goal. 144 shirts have been sold, so these will be shipping. You have a chance. There's one week left. So by the time the next Coda Radio is on the air, it's all done. It's all done. Go to teespring.com slash CR100. You can get yourself a hoodie. You can get yourself a T-shirt. Um, uh, orange and red are doing particularly well. And Angela tells me the number one, uh, shirt color is just uh, straight up, uh, dark gray. That's the one, not black, dark gray. And then we also have a ladies tea. So go over to teespring.com slash CR 100. And you know, this is a limited time after, after this next week, we will no longer have these shirts available ever. And, uh, thanks to Rotten Corpse and the IRC for, uh, making that logo for us. Well, Mr. Dominic, I know you got fires to put out. Is there anything else you want to cover on this episode before we run? No, that's it. That's it. I, 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 um, I'm afraid I need to go be a firefighter. For yeah, a I understand. Hey, you know what? We're still it's it, we're experimenting with a new time slot, and because it is in the middle of the day, sometimes there's things that come up in progress. But we're working on it. And here's here's what you need to know, good audience. Join us live on Mondays now at noon Pacific. 3 p.m. Eastern over at jblive.tv or jblive.info for the audio version. And you can go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that converted in your local time. Join us live. You get to hang out in the chat room. You get to help us title the episode. But one last thing, we really need your feedback. Over to jupiterbroadcasting.com, pop that contact link and send us in your feedback for Coda Radio so that way we have something to read at the beginning of this week's show. Mr. Dominic, if I was going to send people your general direction throughout the week, where would you like them to go? Uh, at Fingertip Tech on Twitter. Nice. On the Twitters. I like it. You can follow me on Twitter. I am twitter.com slash Chris L-A-S. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Coda Radio. We'll see you right back here next week. Mm-hmm.